Welcome to Destiny Revival Ministries Sermon of the Week. Thank you for joining us. You can stay up to date through our social media or give from the link in the details. We hope this message blesses you. Praise God. Well, I just want to go ahead and say on the 16th, which is two days ago, I left the island of Mauritius, which is uh, off the east coast of Madagascar in the middle of nowhere, and uh, left at 10.30 at night, had an 11-hour flight, landed in Paris yesterday, had a six-hour layover, got on another eight-and-a-half-hour flight last uh, yesterday, and then when I got there, my plane that I was supposed to get to Lafayette with had already gone because my Paris flight was delayed, and so there was no ways for me to be here because the only other option was to fly to New Orleans this morning, and I wouldn't have been on time for Father's Day service and this anointing service. So God made a way. They, Delta sent me to Houston last night. I slept in a hotel and woke up at five o'clock this morning, drove in a rental car to be here with you this morning. In fact, I didn't even go home. I came straight, well, I went home, showered and came straight here. So I didn't even see my wife and kids. So I'm right off of, uh, you know, I'm functioning on the anointing alone right now. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. Thank God for His anointing. Amen. I wanted to just quickly give you one story. uh, And then, then of course, you know, it was a really blessed time. Got to see my family um, and, and other ministers on the island. And we had a great spiritual time. That's one side of it. But just an earthly thing. I got to go fishing. And we did this thing called rigging and you go out and to where it's about 300 meters, which is probably about a thousand feet, everywhere from 300, so about a thousand to a thousand five hundred feet of depth. And you put your bait on your hook and you send your line a thousand feet down and more. And then you catch whatever's down there. When you get and you start bringing up those fish from the deep with the pressure, their eyes start bulging out by the time they get on the boat. But we caught a beautiful grouper and all of that. But on, on one, the skipper of the boat, I mean, how many of you realise my brother had an electric reel where all you do is push the button and the thing's just reeling everything up. I mean, he must have learned from the USA. There's a better way to do things. All right, come on, America. Come on, y'all have got it figured out. So then the other guy, the poor skipper, is now trying to reel in a thousand foot of line with a fish on it and he's tired. So I get to take the pole and probably like about 200 feet before I get to the surface, all of a sudden, it didn't feel like there was anything heavy on my line. All of a sudden, my line just, the pole just goes right. We call it a fishing rod. Y'all call it a pole. And so my my pole goes right down and I'm thinking, oh, the fish must have finally woken up and fighting for his life. And then all of a sudden, we heard this big splash to our right. We looked, there was a beautiful blue marlin of about, you know, the the skipper said it was about 300 pounds, just this shimmering silver and blue and yellow. And it just kind of flapped on top of the water. And while the marlin does that, as if it realises it's been caught, it'll dive out of the water so that it can cut itself off from the line. And of course, the line I had was not designed for, for it. But I had a blue marlin on my line. It was quite an experience. Praise the Lord. The Lord gave me a good time uh, to be able to do that. It was great. Praise God. But anyway, happy Father's Day. Come on, let's, let's give the fathers a big, great God bless you this morning. I want to say a few things. Um, you know, obviously, you know, we're not going to do it like Mother's Day, fathers of six, seven and eight, because we know who the winners are already. <laughs> Pastor Gabe, they just, uh, you know, if anybody, can somebody please go past them so we can celebrate somebody? No, I'm joking. Uh, 
no, but uh, I just want to celebrate all fathers, no matter how many children you have here today. I wanted to just quickly read a couple of things here, then we can get on with what I want to get on with this morning. How many of you realise we're doing our anointing service today? And so we're going to get to do that, which is going to be powerful. We'll get into that in just a second. Today we celebrate fathers and fatherhood. And we acknowledge, obviously, we've got to acknowledge the great-grandfathers, grandfathers, fathers and fathers-to-be. Come on. How many of you realise you might not be a father, but you are a father-to-be? Amen? So we celebrate every one of you. And obviously, we know that culture has definitely, in this time, since we're talking about fathers here, there is a strong push and has been for many, many years on masculinity and, um, uh, you know, uh, demasculizing, if that's even a word, well, how would you even say that? Emasculating men the other way and rendering them, you know, just kind of down. And, you know, uh, that, that is not the culture that we find in the Kingdom of God nor in His Word. Amen. And so we, we do not connect with that in any way, shape or form because we don't believe that's the design of heaven for, for fathers here today. You know, that we declare the, the Word of the Lord over you, that you are strong, you are courageous, you are brave, you are, you are manly, you are everything that heaven has created you to be. You are, uh, you are a good husband, you are a good father, you are empowered empowered and anointed by heaven to do every one of your duties that God's given you, that you are a man of God that is leading in the example that God has given us through His Son to lead by. And it doesn't mean that we don't miss it and we don't make mistakes sometimes. Of course we do, but we're not making room for it. But what I am saying is that you have a divine empowerment from God to be the man that God has called you to be. And you don't need to cower down and be anything short of God's perfect design for you. Can somebody say amen? amen? Come on. So some qualities, your qualities of a valiant man, obviously being valiant, being strong and of good courage. John, Joshua chapter one, verse nine, uh, to have spiritual sensitivity. Come on, doesn't mean, you know, men, yes, we can, we can uh, be strong and, and uh, you know, men can tend to not be as much in the, in the realm of emotions, but you can be spiritually sensitive as a man of God to hear the voice of God for your family and lead them. Amen? Praise God. You can be steadfast. You can have courage. You can be brave. You can have strength. The Bible says in Ephesians 6 verse 10, men, come on, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Proverbs 19.22 says, What is desired in a man is kindness, loving kindness and mercy. Come on, so, so you can be strong and at the same time be meek and gentle. Amen? Amen. Come on. Does it encourage any men here today? Just somebody. Amen. Praise the Lord. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. All right, well, let's get back into this. We're going to talk about the anointing here today. We're gonna to talk about anointing in the form of actually anointing somebody with oil. And uh, that actually the first mention in Scripture of anointing with oil is actually found with Jacob. How many of you remember in Genesis chapter 28, Jacob, um, who is still Jacob, is not Israel, he's still yet to wrestle with the angel of the Lord. 
and, and uh, you know, come out with a limp on the other side. But, but still Jacob, Jacob is, is on his way. He's on his way to find his wife and uh, he has an encounter in Genesis 28. And that encounter is when he lays down, he has a dream and he sees the ladder and uh, he sees angels ascending and descending. And uh, actually, you know, the ladder is actually kind of like a type and shadow of Christ in that He has breached the gap of connecting us with our Heavenly Father. Are you with me? So anyway, there's this encounter that Jacob has. And out of this encounter, you know, God speaks to him in between. He comes out of this encounter um, and he actually, the Bible says he put a bunch of stones together and he laid down and that's where he dreamt all of this. This doesn't sound like a very comfortable place to be lying down on stones, but hey, that's what the Bible says. So we'll just go with that. Um, but he, he puts these stones up and, and um, he blesses this place and he calls it Bethel. Bethel. How many of you heard the word Bethel before? Uh, some of you have heard Bethel just because you've heard of Bethel Church. It's the same word, Bethel, Bethel. Beth is house of the house and El is actually God. Bethel, house of the Lord. And, he, and the Bible says he, he takes the place where he had uh, put these stones together. So he erected this little rock formation on the ground and he pours oil on it. He anoints that place and he calls it Bethel. And it's a place where there's a continual reminder of what God spoke to him in that process. This is then he dreamed and behold, a ladder was set up on earth and, and its top reached to heaven and there were, the angels of God were there ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father and of Isaac, the land of which you lie, I will give you and your descendants and your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and the east, the north and the south and you and your seed, all the family of the earth shall be blessed. How many of you realise we've been talking about all of this blessing in Abraham? So we're just continuing here. It says, Behold, I am with you and I will keep you wherever you go and I'll bring you back to this land for I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep. Surely the Lord is in this place and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God and this is the gate of heaven. Then Jacob rose early in the morning, took the stone that he had put at his head. Couldn't you have found something soft, dude? I mean, seriously. He set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel. But the name of that city had been Luz previously. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and keep me in this way that I'm going and give me bread to eat and clothing to put it on so that I come back with all my father's house in peace that, that the Lord shall be my God. Come on. So there's just this continued prophetic word that started in Abraham, Isaac, and now in Jacob. Jacob still has to, we haven't gotten to that part yet, but here is the first mention of oil being used. I just wanted to say that's the first time we find anointing with oil in there. And then Mark chapter 6, this is in the ministry of Jesus. And the Bible says, and they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. Come on, they anointed many. Come on, so there's something in, in, it's not about the oil. Do you understand what I'm saying? We understand that Jesus has become oil poured out for us. In Gethsemane, He was, he was crushed. Are you with me? 
He was crushed furthermore when they beat Him and put stripes in His body. He was crushed more like, 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 like olives. He was crushed a little bit more and oil poured out of Him, so to speak. Are you with me? Come on, I'm talking about the crushing of, of, of the olives. And out of Him came healing, which we see here from Mark chapter 5. Then he was furthermore crushed in the form that he that 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 oil like a soap, like a cleansing agent, that the judgment of the world was placed upon him, that his blood cleansed us of all unrighteousness. Come on, this was all part of the crushing that Jesus went through to become holy and anointed oil for us, if you want to put it like that. James chapter 5, verse 14, again, another Scripture. Now, this is right in the New Covenant. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the Name of the Lord. Amen. All right, so we see that the anointing oil being used there again, just... You know, the, it's just like Paul. The Bible says that special miracles were wrought through the hands of Paul, that even when he laid hands on napkins and aprons and handkerchiefs, that wherever they were taken, it would produce miracles. People would be set free and healed and delivered. Number three, the woman with the alabaster box of precious perfume. This is a different side of it, but the, the, the word here uh, from um, Mark chapter 14, uh, verse three says, and being in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at the table, a woman having an alabaster flask of very costly oil of spikenard, then she broke that flask and poured it on his head. She anointed him Amen. with oil. And by the way, the, the oil and the anointing and when it is poured out, the significance of the oil is a consecration to anoint you for a purpose, just to be set apart for a purpose. Amen. It's a place where you attach your faith to a moment in time where something took place so it's not just something that we're doing before men in, in, in the sense of we're performing a ritual. You know, this is not something that I'm normally in, in you know, uh, uh, I do. Would I do it again? Absolutely. If the Holy Spirit says do it again, we'll do it again. The Lord said, gave me a picture and, and I saw the prophet Samuel standing in front of David and I saw him pouring oil upon his head. And I just kind of felt the Lord said, anoint the young lions. So I've got to obey the voice of the Lord. Well, somebody said, well, you know, you can't find all of that. You know, this is the thing. It's like, there's a lot of things. How many of you realise that, that sometimes, how many of you ever got up out of, out of your, in your daily activity and you're coming and you're going and you just did something out of the ordinary and it ended up leading you to somebody that you ended up bumping into that you never would have had you not done something a little bit different. There's no Scripture for that, but Amen. God led you by the Spirit. Amen? Right. Amen. That's you being an epistle of the Lord. You're, you're, you're being used by God, just like the early church, the, the writings that we read from here in, in the Scripture. Those are men of God being led by the Spirit and we use 
how they were led by the Spirit to teach you and bring instruction. But, but it's not just for them. It's not just so that we can bring principles and values, even though those are good. It's so that those become a part of you that you also can see, hey, if they did it, I can do it too. God wants me to become a living epistle also. Amen. Amen. So I don't have a, you don't have a Scripture for everything in there. You know, there, there, there is no Scripture when the Lord leads you to do something Amen. that He tells you. Now, obviously, everything that the Holy Spirit tells you to do, He's never going to lead you outside the governing instruction of His written Word. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. And tell me you're led by the Spirit and you're doing something contrary to Scripture. No, you're not being led by the Spirit. You're being led by a Spirit, but not the Spirit of God. Amen? Amen. So the Lord says, anoint, anoint, anoint young lions. Anoint them with oil. Consecrate them. Amen. I know I pick on you a lot, but I'm so glad to see you here this morning. Amen. All the way from Deritter. Yeah. Hallelujah. Not Mauritius, yes. <laughs> it's the only time I've beat you today. <laughs> <clears throat> so the Lord says, anoint them. Amen. So we're going to read a portion of Scripture here. We're going to get into that. And I don't know where everything is. I'm assuming we have a tub somewhere around here. Tub, tub, rubber, dub, dub. We've got to have that. And then we have a tarp also. All right, so just in the meantime, I'm just going to go ahead for practical administration. We're going to go ahead and put the tarp on this side here. We'll put the tub on this side also so that, uh, you know, whoever's getting anointed can go straight from over here behind there and go and do whatever they need to do in the bathroom. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise the Lord. How many, of you, how many of you excited to be anointed of the Lord today? All right, good. Okay. Well, you know, like I said, this is not a, you weren't chosen because God thinks less of you. No, it, it's not about that. The Lord said, young lions, I've just got to, that doesn't mean you're less anointed. Come on, we've got to grow up a little bit, amen? No, this is not an opportunity for offence to come into your heart. Amen? Let's go, go with me if you can quickly to the book of Samuel, 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel, chapter number 16. <clears throat> I want to read from, uh, we'll just start at verse one. I'm going to read through this as quickly as I can. And then we're going to go and shift over into what we want to do here this morning. And as you can tell, I'm, I'm being pretty good about sticking on point. It says now, and this is really the meat of what we're doing here today. I just gave you some other scriptures just to talk a little bit about the oil, but, but this, is, this is what we're doing here today, exactly in this chapter. It said, Now the Lord said to Samuel, How long will you grieve over Saul since I have rejected him from being king over Israel? Number one, just so that you know, God never wanted Saul to be king in the first place. God gave Saul to Israel because they wanted a king. And he said, Okay, you want a king, here's a king. All right. In all actuality, I believe that that was never meant to be. In fact, I believe that David was supposed to be the guy to start off with, to begin with in the first place. Yeah. We would have bypassed Saul altogether. But there's a lot of good stuff that we're going to learn here. Just check it out. So fill your horn with oil. We have a, a horn. What verse are you in? 
uh, verse um, 1 still, I believe. Yeah, still it says, uh, chapter 16, verse 1, it says, Fill your horn with oil, and I will send to you Jesse, the Bethlehemite, for I have selected a king for myself from among his sons. But Samuel said, how can I go? When Saul hears of it, he will kill me. So God says, okay, well, look, I understand. I'm gonna give you a plan on how to do this. In other words, I'm gonna give you and I'm gonna equip you with the wisdom. And the Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. So you shall invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what you shall do. And you shall anoint for me the one who I designate to you. So Samuel did what the Lord said and came to Bethlehem. And the elders of the city came trembling to meet him and said, do you come in peace? How many of you know in those days if the prophet came to town, they sent out messages in advance to find out if the prophet was coming in peace or not in peace. And if it wasn't in peace, there was fear and trembling because somebody was gonna go down. Are you with me? Thank you, Jesus. Well, anyway, it says, do you come in peace? He said, yes, in peace I've come to sacrifice of the Lord. So this is all by design. So he's coming to sacrifice. He's not lying or making up a story. They're going to sacrifice. But uh, they're using that as a pretext so that they can anoint one of the boys of Jesse. This is what's going on. Consecrate and come with me to the sacrifice. He also consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. Consecrating meaning set them apart. And when they entered, he looked at Eliab and thought, surely... The Lord is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or at the height of his stature because I have rejected him for God sees not as man sees for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Somebody say that the Lord, the Lord's system of evaluation is the heart of a man or the heart of a woman. Thank God He doesn't look, look at us and choose us based on how we dress, how we don't dress. If we've got five tattoos or a hundred tattoos. Amen? Amen? Thank you, Jesus. He looks at the heart. There is... <laughs> Hallelujah. Come on. God doesn't look at it. He bypasses all of that stuff. He says, I don't see the way you see things. I look at the hearts of people. And this is why I'm just gonna interject this little piece of information here as a ministry. You know, we could be a whole lot more rigid in terms of how we run Sunday services or Thursday services. We could be a lot more controlling, you know, because there's so much of that. And it's not, it doesn't, it's not, well, let everything be done in decency and in order. What order? Sometimes we are running things in decency and in order, but, but there's no order. It's not the order of God. We want God's order, not man's order. Are you with me? And most of it has been designed in such a way where we make no room for others to be raised up in the Kingdom of God. And when we begin to allow others to be raised up in the Kingdom of God, you've got to make room. Guess what? You didn't start out perfect, honey. Amen. 
And by the way, the one that's articulate and sounds like he's got his stuff together, God's not using him any more than the one that's still learning. The anointing is no different on the one that's still learning than the one who has become learned. And there's gotta be room for mistakes. We're not doing everything like everybody else is wanting to do it. And we're okay with that. We're comfortable in our skin here. Are you with me? Could I say many things about, about you know, like, okay, maybe you could have waited five seconds more or, or 10 seconds or maybe we could. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Ultimately, we want God to use people. Amen. We want God to use people. We've got to make room for that to happen. Amen. Amen. Come on, are you with me? I hope you're hearing my heart in this. I sat in a service one day and I remember many years ago there was a move of the Spirit happening and the pastor was preaching at the time and a lot of people just, well, several, you know, just a handful of people and then it just started to grow and grow. But people began, began to get overwhelmed with the anointing and joy was starting to hit them. It's like it started on one side and it began to just cover the whole place. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. And I'm sitting in that service and I'm like, God, can't these people just shut up? This is not orderly right now. The Lord rebuked me. He says, what you call order, I call chaos. And I had to repent. And instead of, instead of hearing the voice of God for myself and being sensitive to the Holy Spirit, I was in my flesh listening to my own self through a lens of religion, of things that were taught to me in my past. And I was unable to get what heaven wanted for me because I was more concerned about the order of what should be going on. that I missed every bit of what God had for me. Every time you come to church, there is a key for you and it's found in you sitting and saying, Lord, what do you have for me? Get, get over everything else. Get over the other stuff that's hindering you from hearing the voice of God and don't come in with a critical perspective or a critical view, but come in with an angle of saying, God, I wanna hear from you. Speak to my spirit, God. The moment you shift your perspective, you're not gonna, the, 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 the angle of, of, of a criticalness will, will fade away. Yeah, right. Amen? Yeah. Because then everybody's postured in a position to say, hey, we're all anointed of the Lord. We're all approved of God in the house and everybody's in a different place. And one person can come and make their voice be heard. But guess what? It's going to, if, if we need to bring instruction there, if it's something way out, you know, there's very few times in 20 years of, well, actually more than that, I'm just uh, uh, 25 years of, of ministry that there's very, very few times that I've actually had to rebuke somebody publicly. And I've done that a couple of times because the, 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 the problem was done so publicly it needed to be addressed publicly. Amen. Are you with me? Yeah. Blatant 
rebellious spirit towards authority that needed to be dealt with right away. But, but if something's out of line and it's coming from somebody that's just wanting to earnestly do what the Lord's, no. You're gonna come, we're gonna talk on the side and say, hey, you did awesome, you did great. But here's where you can make some adjustments. And that's not crushing somebody or breaking them down, that's lifting them up. In other words, we're gonna take that gift and let's fine tune it a little bit more. You know, let's make that gift better. How many of you realise you don't just become a pro football player by starting to play football tomorrow. All of a sudden you walk in and you're in the NFL. You realise you get better and better. You go, you go for your training, you, your, your speed increases, your, your power, your stamina, everything increases, your agility, your speed, everything apart about you as a player in the NFL at that level is being bettered and you're not being broken down, but you are being built up. Amen? Amen. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. So we've got to make room. I'm saying all of that. I thought I'd throw that out because we're making room for others. So, you know, I'm very, very conscious of what goes on every single Sunday in a service. I'm very conscious of what goes on. Not unaware, sitting here like I don't know what to do. I am, however, Sitting there going, do I need to say something about this? Do I, and the Holy Spirit, when He says, do nothing, I do nothing. Amen? Amen? Amen. Come on. All right. Where were we? What verse? Verse 8. Verse eight. All right, let's get there. Then Jesse called Abinadab and make him pass before Samuel. He said, no, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Next, Jesse made Shama pass before passed by and he said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Then Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. But Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen these. And Samuel said to Jesse, are these all the children? And he said, there remains yet the youngest. And behold, he is tending to the sheep. Come on. (laughs) Then Samuel said to Jesse, send him and bring him for we will not send down until he comes. Because now he's now now listening because the Lord says, nope, not this one, not that one, not this one. How many of the sons passed before the prophet before, before he went to Jesse and says, is there anybody else? How many? Seven. Seven. So David was number eight. eight. David was the eighth man. Eight means new beginnings, amen? Don't worry. She has priority over here. (laughs) He was number eight. I'll never forget this. I was in a service during worship and I'm just really relaxed in my my operation here today in case you couldn't tell. Um, I remember being in a church service and during worship, I had a vision and I saw this cloud in the air, it was in an evening setting. So the sun was kind of setting. It was starting to get dark and I saw this cloud shimmering and I understood that the cloud was the Holy Spirit. And the cloud began to go over churches and it went over a church and hovered there 
and then moved and went to another. And it was like, as the cloud was moving, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, and it brought me right back to this portion of Scripture that I'm reading with you here today with with Samuel and, and Jesse and his sons. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, neither have I chosen this one. Neither have I chosen this one. Neither have I chosen this one. And so... Now, I'm not saying God is not anointed those churches. That's not the point. Do you understand what I'm saying? They're still called of the Lord. How many of you realise that there's a very apparent reality that there are many churches and we can all agree they love Jesus and we're not coming from a critical posture in what we're saying, but not all churches are allowing the freedom of the Holy Spirit and His power to go out. You know, we're afraid of some, what happens if somebody manifests and, and, and something happens like that in church. We're worried about what people will think. Why? Because that's where the dollar bills start coming in instead of the Holy Ghost power coming in. We're more afraid of losing brother big bucks and sister big bucks from the church because they're gonna come and say, hey, we can't have that come. No, I'm, I'm telling you the truth. This stuff happens. That's right. That's right. And so now the pastors become controlled by money. Amen. Preach it. When you let the anointing build, when you let Jesus build His church and His anointing do it, I'm telling you right now, there's not a problem for finances. Finances are gonna come. So we can't be governed by that. Amen? We've made a decision a long time ago to trust the Lord because we know He is faithful. He's faithful. So, so it was kind of like, the, neither have I chosen this one. Neither have I chosen this one. And, and, and in the natural, if you think about it, some of these places look magnificent. I mean, the lights are beautiful. Everything's decked out. It's adorned. It looks wonderful. Just like the first son of Jesse. I mean, he looked, I mean, he had a six pack. I mean, he had such a big six pack. It looked like an eight pack. <laughs> I mean, he looked good. He's had his Chanel perfume on. He, had a, he was dressed in a tuxedo tight enough so you could still see, you know, it was well cut and defined. And he showed himself before the prophet and said, hey, you know what I'm saying? Like just <laughs> flexing his muscle a little bit, just impressing the prophet. Probably did about 100 push-ups to show him how strong he was. And then got up with no hair, even just everything was still in place when he got up. And the Lord said, sorry, buddy. (laughs) Sorry. Come on. And, you know, here's the deal. Even at that, you know, when God says, neither have I chosen this one, it's not like he didn't love the dude. You know what I mean? He, He was saying, in his character and his makeup, All of the necessary ingredients are not there for my purpose to be made manifest. Are you with me? It's not that, that they're any less. It's just that everything that he needed to accomplish his purpose was found in David. That's right. Amen? So I believe here, and let's continue to read here just for a few seconds. We're almost there. Thank you for sticking with me this morning. Thank you, Jesus. All right. 
Then Samuel said to Jesse, send and bring him. We will not sit down until he comes. So they haven't sat down. So he said, sent and brought him. Now he was a ruddy, he was ruddy with beautiful eyes and a handsome appearance. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him. So it wasn't like the first one was unhandsome. David's also a handsome dude over here. It says, arise and anoint him for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward. And Samuel and rose and went to the next place. So from that day, the Spirit of the Lord came upon David in a mighty way. He was anointed in front of his brothers. Amen. So he consecrated David. A new beginning. Number eight, new beginning. Saul wasn't meant to happen. David, you are a, a new, uh, the, king, uh, the king of my choosing. Yeah. A king who will express my heart. Are you with me? Yeah. A king who is after my heart. You're not going to be like Saul. You're not going to rule like Saul. You, 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 you are one who is yielded to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Why, why do I say that? Because when, when he went to fight Goliath, he tried to have the armour of Saul put on him. And it didn't work for him. It might've worked for the other warriors, but not for David. He goes, no, I can't put this stuff on. Amen. I can't put this ritual on me. I can't put this tradition on me. I can't put all of the stuff. No, no, no. Because listen, when you, when you conquer with the stuff, then you can say, this, this is how I conquered. I conquered with my stuff. Stuff, but when you come empty and you just trust in the anointing to do the anoint the work the anoint that only the work the anointing can do, and you begin to take a victory, you are left empty. You are left completely naked to say it's only by the hand of the Lord. And that's what we're after: to be a people who are after God's heart. that we seek to do the will of the Father as a body of believers here. And today I believe that we are anointing these young lions. Are you with me? Amen. Pouring oil on them, consecrating them before heaven and earth. Amen. God's already put His hand on them. Jesus. Yes. We're not doing anything that God hasn't already done. That's right. We're just saying we are consecrating you for the purpose of the Lord. And that we can have our faith because it's the currency of the Spirit and say, Lord, we trust You that as we obey what You tell us to do, that in doing this, that there will be from this day that the Spirit of the Lord would, would, would begin to do a work inside of you like He has never done before. That you would that you would walk in a new boldness. That you would walk walk in a in a, in a, in a, in, a, in the absolute certainty of the approval of heaven that is on your life for great, glorious, wonderful things Amen. pertaining to His kingdom. Amen. 
Whatever that looks like. Some of you, are, all of us are called to ministry. We're all called to have the ministry of reconciliation in the house. Amen. Every one of us is called to the ministry of reconciliation. Every one of us has a ministry. But secondly, is that, you know, some are called to, to ministry, to be a, a mouthpiece in the hand of God and maybe a full-time capacity that might be apostolic, it might be prophetic, it might be uh, in the ability to teach or preach or, or be an evangelist. All right, those are there. Doesn't make one better than the other. Remember this, when we step on over into eternity, that, you know, one's not gonna get a greater award than the other. It's all about, you know, with your time on earth, what did you do with what He gave you? Amen. Some of you, God is raising you up for great financial wealth. You know, the message that we preach here today would be no different than if there were 10,000 people in this building today. Amen. The message doesn't change. The platform just gets bigger. Money, finances means one thing only. Finances mon monetarily, money means the ability to do things on a greater scale. Amen. That's it. Same message, bigger platform. And God is wanting to enlarge our influence to a bigger platform because He wants more people to hear it. Amen. Amen? So we're getting there, just give me a second. So I can say this boldly to every one of you. I see you in the future and you look much better than you look right now. Come on. I'll say that one more time. I see you in the future and you look much better than you look right now. I didn't make that up. I wish I did. And that's what the prophetic realm does. It sees you the way God sees you. Maybe you can't see yourself like I can see you this morning, but I'm saying I'm going into the future and I'm seeing, I'm gonna go to the future and bring it back. <laughs> so I just, I, I just kind of climb the ladder and I take a peek over the mountain and I'm just looking at a glorious view of you. Hallelujah. Woo, glory. Y'all look good now, but let me tell you, y'all look spectacular. Amen. Come on. And every bit of what I'm saying carries every bit of 100% truth in it. The only thing, you see, the prophetic will go into the future, begin to bring into your, from your future, call those things which are not as if they already are. It's not that they're not, it's already according to God's design. They might not be here now, but the prophetic will go into the future and say, I see you in the future and I'm declaring over you presently what God says about you in your future that you haven't manifest. You see, God will bring it into your present so that He can unlock something in you that from this day forward, unlocks that which you saw in the future. Yes. So you've got to go there and get it in order to unlock it now. That's right. 